2: Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everybody. I'm so happy you are spending your Friday night with us here on Tech Vibe Radio. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Audrey, it's Friday night. I don't know what happened, but it is now the end of November. And 2018 went by with a complete flash. But I could not be more pumped up for 2019.
3: Are you it's interesting. Twenty eighteen has been, you know, a very interesting year. I know. Um, we're excited of twenty nineteen because as the tech council, after twenty three years, we've moved into a new space. We're gonna be part of the North Side community.
2: I want a North Side t shirt.
3: Right. We're gonna do a North Side walking tour. Yeah. Just to do sort of the history of Allegheny. What's it called? Allegheny Alleg- City. Yeah. Allegheny City, right? Absolutely. Right? So we're we're excited to do that. We're excited to connect it to the neighborhood. Everything from the growth of um, Allegheny General Hospital to all the different groups that are percolated all throughout Deutschtown and uh, exactly, you know, East Ohio Street's even changing. East Ohio
2: Street is amazing. I tell you what, I went to a restaurant called Suda's. Oh, a few yeah. weeks ago. It was Nepalesean food. And I would have never known this restaurant existed if not one Paul Fireman actually took me there to show me what was going on. But I was just amazed at the restaurant and the fact that it was within a stone's throw of our offices in Nova Place, which I think is just a fantastic place within itself. But just to be part of a neighborhood where there's Nepalese restaurants, amongst many other things kind of going on, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. I just well, like being in the Arnold's mix. Arnold's Tea. Arnold's Tea is pretty great, too.
3: That's a really cool place.
2: Absolutely.
3: And they sell Nancy B's cookies.
2: They do. Yeah. I didn't know that.
3: That okay, is like wait. my weakness. Okay.
2: So, what is your favorite one of those cookies? Then, Nancy B's. Yeah, I'm trying to get ideas for holiday gifts here, so you can tell me.
3: Do- Jonathan, <laughs> I cannot eat anymore. I could down one of those big really? chocolate chip oh. Nancy B's cookies. Well, I, thought- I could do like three of them.
2: Really? I'll just do one. I'll buy you. I'll, I'll get you one.
3: Oh, that's so amazing. <laughs> I won't do it. Homestead. Yeah. I mean, they're crazy. Yeah. They're, they're the craziest cookies. I think I've ever had them in my at, life. At Arnold's. I didn't know they had them there. Yeah. That's, she's that's... been circulating. <laughs>
2: See, she got I guess, them over at the
3: I, deli on Northumberland I'm, I'm, Street. I'm
2: thinking, I'm thinking being in the uh, north side may not be good for our waistlines at this point. It huh? can't
3: be for <laughs> mine. I have to fight against that. I'm
2: going to have to ride my bike to work more often, I think.
3: Yeah. I have, you know, yeah. You're lucky because you can ride your bike like a fierce soul. But, but you've
2: been riding your Peloton. I ride like my fierce Peloton, soul. but I, I know, can.
3: but I gotta stop eating those. Okay, no more freaking cookies. cookies. Gotcha.
2: Jeez. <laughs> so
3: besides it's access been to rough. great cookies, besides <laughs> it's been rough,
2: besides access to great cookies on the, on the north. Well, it's side. always a
3: lovely time of year. You know, you get to wind down a little bit, so I know. that's always fun that we get to wind down.
2: Cool the jets down. Cool
3: Perfect. the jets down and and ramp up. Um, yeah. You know, just seeing the amount of companies that are putting their stake, their little pin in Pittsburgh, I know, is always great. That's uh, it's great conversations, great everyone. You know, we're gonna have to be recruiting people from outside of the city because uh, we can't be playing movable chairs for too much longer. That's a really good, point and to uh, the, we're gonna see that more and more. Which, which are you know, not necessarily bad problems, but they're certainly tough problems, and they, they affect the region. Oh, absolutely. I'm hoping that the Port Authority really helps with um, solving some some problems in terms of mobility. I would like to see in 2019 some mobility stuff. I feel like the traffic around here is it's... just getting awfully weird for a city that has less than 2 right. million people in a metro.
2: That's what I've been trying to figure out. Is the, I know More our, people, our, our people our have cars. Our population's flat, but it seems like my, my drive to and from work.
3: Yeah, what was the statistic, though, that <laughs> I read? Kind of that these days. Most people over the age of 75 were more likely to buy a new car than those people between the ages of 21 18,
2: 18 and 24. So, yeah. yeah, that was from our Mike Moe. Right. When and then he I'm thinking. you right.
3: Okay, so how come we have so much traffic?
2: I know. It's crazy.
3: It seems like when I moved here, we didn't have this kind well, of traffic.
2: Do you know what's kind of crazy in a good way? I was almost in an accident on my bicycle with another bicyclist.
3: No. Uh, yes.
2: And I'm thinking, wow, that must mean there's a bunch more cyclists here in pittsburgh i mean i've been an advocate of riding my bike to work for 20 plus years and i've seen it steadily grow because of the great work right. places like Bike pittsburgh which we love so much and uh, but it was actually just a few months ago i was i was pulling through greenfield and like came to this like intersection and someone on a bike like almost went into me because like they were on their way to work too and i was like wow that's kind of neat <laughs> it would have been would have been great if I've been Johnson. But
3: Kirsting died in a real bike accident. Yeah, bike on bike, bike on bike accident. After all that you do,
2: exactly (laughs) on your cycle,
3: that would be that would be a tragedy.
2: It would be. But I thought it was kind of cool that no Pittsburgh now has enough cyclists where they we might be running into each other. Used to be like the Lone Ranger. Oh no, it was like you wouldn't see anybody riding your bike. I mean, 15 years ago, it was rare to see someone else riding a bicycle. And now it's just commonplace. Do what I love about in our new in Nova Place, I look out the window and I see people on bikes zipping across all the time in the north side. So it's it's becoming a great way to get around. And I think it should be. more people walking and biking and stuff. I would and,
3: I would ride my bike if there were no cars on the street.
2: Well, that's what you, you got to get used to it. That's the problem. Yeah, I know a lot of people like that, but you got you got to develop develop that that. Couch. I'm not. No thanks. But if we had some even more bike lanes that could just keep you to the one side of traffic, would that make you more interested? Well, in Well, that would riding be more bike? interesting, yeah. but. Because you're developing some serious cycling muscles with all the Peloton work, you I do totally, am. I'm just totally. <laughs> totally am. My legs,
3: totally, totally, I'm working it out and have a deep appreciation for what it means to, to pedal through something,
2: ride to ride through Pittsburgh, Great city. ride the good through city. the pain, the good city to ride a bike. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Absolutely, it's very, very cool. So 2019's heading upon us, and like I said, we're in some new space. We're feeling like there's like a, a new a new angle at the, at the Pittsburgh Technology Council, and we're just really excited to engage with more people. Get them, you know, working with us because the more people that belong to the Tech Council, the stronger our voices when it comes to advocating and making the connections that we make every day for our members.
3: Well, I think it's interesting that, uh, you know, we've always said storytelling is, is important. Exactly. Now everyone's jumping on the bandwagon saying storytelling is important. Exactly. The more technology we have, the more robots we have, the more important it is to have human interaction. Agreed. And to tell those stories. I like so, that. We're all, we're always going to be doing that at the Tech Council. So that's, our space lends itself to that, and um, we have lots of ways for people to sort of collide and uh, interact and figure out how to connect with potential customers, exactly. investors. That's what we care about. I
2: want to see non-bicycle collisions in the Tech Council.
3: I know. I do not want to hear you get injured on a bike.
2: All I say is we have a great co-working desk made of reclaimed barn wood from a barn in Robinson. Really it's exciting beautiful. space. So we got lots of places for people to plug in and hang out and meet up with other people. So we think it's going to be really fantastic stuff. So under today's show, we've got a really cool cast of characters. We always try to one-up ourselves on, on Tech Vibe Radio as to who's going to be stopping by. And, uh, you know, we have uh, Mike Beckley's calling in in a minute to talk with me about what's going on at Appian. You know, Appian is growing like leaps and Really? What do they do? Yeah. I mean, they do low-code development. So they help people develop code. You want to take your company and take your product and get on the Internet mm-hmm. of things. You want to scale up through through low-code development. You can actually, it's dragging and dropping to develop code. So you can develop code very flexibly. You can develop it with great speed and lower cost, which is really exciting. And Appian is really they're a leader in low-code development. And actually, I went out on the streets and grabbed an interview with Crown Castle, all about the uh the 5g that's that's coming up and about Mm -hmm. which is really exciting stuff we're gonna learn more about what's happening with 5g in 2019 and then audrey i know you were dabbling with bitcoin over the past year
3: yeah not much but yes a little bit it's good to talk to these guys yeah they're they're coming in right
2: yeah we have mike finch from ico alert stopping by which is initial coin offering alert and he's gonna give us kind of like a primer On cryptocurrencies, in particular, uh, 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 you know, everything when it comes to uh, Bitcoin and stuff like that. So I'm very excited about it. I think it's a great way to kind of learn about some of these things. And uh, let's all look forward to 2019 and reflect upon the fact that 2018 was a crazy fun year and we're still here. (laughs) <laughs> thank god <laughs> and keep trucking keep doing what we're doing because i just see so much potential happening here in pittsburgh audrey simple as that we're taking a quick break this is jonathan kirsting and this is audrey russo keep on listening here for uh tech vibe radio i'll be right back after this quick break and learn about the tech council at pghtech.org welcome back everybody so glad you could join us here for tech vibe radio on a friday night this is jonathan kirsting just love getting behind the mic talking to some of the coolest people in pittsburgh's technology sector I mean, we just it just can't say enough as to what's going on here. It's just so much fun to be able to get out there and just really put a, put a spotlight on it and talk to some of these people. And uh, so we have Appian on the phone with us today. We actually have Mike Beckley, the CTO of Appian, on the phone with us calling in. So, hey, Mike, welcome to the show tonight. Thanks for taking the time to talk with us. No, thank you, Jonathan. It's
0: a real pleasure to be here. Really yeah. excited to talk to you.
2: Absolutely. So, Mike, where are you calling in from tonight?
0: Uh, I am calling in from Appian headquarters in Reston, Virginia.
2: Excellent, excellent, excellent. I mean, Weston, talk about a tech center going on down there. You guys are—you guys are hitting it there. I love it very much. So, yeah, it's—it's uh, it's an
0: amazing community. We've got Google across the street, and apparently, if word has it right, maybe we'll have Amazon as a new neighbor right. soon.
2: I know it's kind of crazy. It's kind of crazy. So, you know, so first off, Appian has a really cool presence here in Pittsburgh as well, too, which we're really excited to have you guys, you know, in the Pittsburgh now. So.
0: Yeah, Pittsburgh is, well, long history in working in Pittsburgh and around Pittsburgh with clients like, uh, uh, you know, Carnegie Mellon going way back to the early days of Appian.
2: Absolutely. And
0: um, and also, obviously, what an incredible place to recruit talent. So it's always been a, a pleasure of mine to get to get back to Pittsburgh and, and talk to the amazing students at, at Carnegie Mellon.
2: Oh, that's cool. So how often do you uh, stop back in Pittsburgh?
0: Oh, I get back every year. Nice. Um, you know, I'd certainly love to come back more than that. Uh, We'd love to have you and,
2: stop by any time. <laughs> I mean, when you're in town, you can come in studio and hang out with us too. Oh well, we'll definitely arrange for that. Yes, that's what I'd I'm talking that. about. Yeah. So first off, tell our listeners about your background as CTO of Appian. I mean, you're sitting on the top of the technology pile there, as far as that goes. You got a lot of pressure going on. So what? What? What's your background, and what's it like being the CTO of Appian?
0: Wow. Well, so um, the the um, the pressure of the job is really not much pressure at all. It's much more fun than you might think. Because as CTO, I get to talk to right. other CTOs from all kinds of clients of ours, and we work with every industry. We work with banks, we work with healthcare firms, we right. work with uh, life sciences companies doing clinical trials, we work with uh, manufacturers, we work with companies that are even um, you know, high-tech manufacturers right. and companies that are going undergoing digital transformation, so they're launching entirely new digital businesses. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, like if they're converting for their old business you know selling shoes into trying to become actually a digital customer engagement company where you've got in- internet of things connected devices and and you know really rethinking their entire business model, so I get to play with all kinds of new technology and uh-huh. you know if you're in my office you'd see, everything, <laughs> you'd see it all from you know, virtual reality to augmented reality to uh internet of things to Uh, Well, actually, my old computer museum, too. I've got old Apple IIs in here, everything. You do?
2: Wait, back up on that one. That's awesome because (laughs) i tell you what. About a month ago, I was in Seattle for the GeekWire Summit, and they had the opening Uh reception at this computer museum, and they had a whole classroom set up with Apple IIs. It was 1983, and I was in the fifth grade. Taking a basic programming lesson, too much fun. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's how I started was, uh, you know, summer camp learning BASIC on an Apple II. And, uh, I mean, what a trip that was to finally at uh, Appian's User Conference this year to okay. meet Steve Wozniak. He was our keynote speaker. Oh, awesome. And to, and to be able to, you know, thank him for having made all this possible, you know, the guy who created the computer and wrote the Apple version of BASIC. And and uh, and it was it was just such a moment for me to, yeah. you know, to see how your whole life comes full circle <laughs> that's like that. so and, cool. Uh, and he's just such a genuine, great guy. He's exactly what he appears to be. Just really? Loves, just like us. He just loves technology, and he yeah. loves helping people. and it's just, I love it. He's so much fun.
2: Awesome. So awesome. much fun. Oh, that is, that is very, very cool. So I take it back. You get to have a ton of fun. But I still say you got a ton of pressure, man, <laughs> because when technology solutions don't work, you're the first guy they're going to come to, as far as that is. So really fast, just tell our listeners about Appian real quick. So you, as you say, you work with a bunch of different industries, but you really help companies solve complex problems. You make it look simple.
0: Yeah, Appian is an enterprise low-code dev- uh, development platform. Yeah. So it allows it allows our customers to build their applications, custom applications by designing them rather than coding them, and they do that visually. So they can draw the 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 um interfaces they want and they can rapidly connect to existing systems and databases and uh, and do it all visually by drawing pictures and and uh point and click configuration and drag and drop rather than having to write lots of code. And so it's useful in every industry but it also allows people who aren't traditional developers to be a big part of the process and to build applications and so now you know there're never going to be enough software engineers every company that's, faces that's what i hear exactly you know. right you know so now a, a great software engineer can be even better and people who didn't go to school for computer science can actually build applications and so together they can form you know much better teams more agile teams right. and uh, and and it's uh, that's what we do we um we help some of the biggest brands and biggest companies um, differentiate by delivering new, outstanding customer experiences and, uh, and automating a lot of,
2: of manual work. Well, that's really exciting. I mean, the whole concept of low-code was actually new to me until last year when we had you guys originally on the show talking about some of the uh, low-code stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it just blew my mind that, like, literally you think like, it's dragging and dropping. In order to, to build really sophisticated software, I mean who else in the markets could possibly be doing this other than appian is is this something that this is the, the trend that's actually moving forward now or is this something that Appian has really been able to kind of own in, in its own right
0: well we uh, we certainly helped pioneer this space, but uh, the idea the concept isn't isn't new okay. as long as as long as there has been software, there have been uh, software engineers who saw that they needed to help people write software and uh, that there would never be enough software engineers so that they needed to build these tools. And, and so um, there, there have always been attempts to do this. It's just it's taken a confluence of a lot of different technologies at the same time to make this such a powerful trend gotcha. that everyone is embracing. You know, 10, 20, 30 years ago, there were um, there were tools like Visual Basic and Power Builder, and, you know, there were primitive tools that allowed you to, to get a little better and to generate code faster and to um, do some point-and-click configuration. But now... Being able to build entire applications at enterprise scale—you know—it it took the cloud, it took the iPhone, it took uh, you know uh, big data, it took all kinds of sophisticated advances to um, make it possible for a business person to have this kind of power at their fingertips.
2: Very much so, and so obviously Appian was the one that really said brought all this together to really make it something where you can build powerful solutions. Before you're talking about things were kind of basic and very rudimentary, but now you're talking about people being able to build really sophisticated platforms and take their yeah, business I mean, to a whole um, new level.
0: Exactly. To, I mean, I imagine you know you have uh, thousands of of workers in an enterprise who are trying to you know manage. Uh, your Your application for insurance or your application for a loan and there 's a dizzying array of hundreds of different products and variations on these products and and uh, and there 's dozens of different systems that they have to check to ensure that you qualify for this promotion or pricing or eligibility or credit and and, and it's it 's because businesses have grown up for decades with just adding on systems and adding on and adding on that that it's it, it makes the the customer's job to somehow untangle all of that. Exactly. And, and and along comes an Appian that can pull together all the information and allow the business themselves, you know, to quickly, rapidly build you know, these low-code applications that, that deliver an outstanding customer experience. So instead of it taking weeks to get approved for a, a new account, it can happen in, in minutes or
2: seconds. Time is money, and you're saving some money and adding a lot of a lot of sophistication while you're at it as well. So we've got about a minute or so left, uh, Mike, and I uh, wanted to talk a little bit just about... In Pittsburgh, you know Appian's presence here. Like, like, how, how are you guys building and growing? What's it been like in Pittsburgh?
0: Well, it, it's it's been terrific. Obviously, the well of talent is what drew us there in the first place, and also Pittsburgh is such a dynamic economy uh, with you know leading brands in financial services and healthcare and you know medical science, and all that's a natural outpouring of of the result of having all that talent coming out of Carnegie Mellon. So you have such amazing innovation happening and. Uh, you know, the, the brands and businesses in Pittsburgh are, are really leaders in digital transformation. And so that's that's drawn us in. And now we're hiring a lot more locally, looking for, you know, uh, account executives, looking for account managers, looking for consultants, you know, technologists, people who really want to get in awesome. on the low-code trend and wave. And so, um, yeah, we'd love to hear from you all.
2: If people want to learn more about those jobs, where can they go and check you out then?
0: They can just come to Appian.com and, and check out careers. We have Dozens and hundreds of job postings. We've That's passed awesome. 1,000 employees now since our you know, successful IPO last year, and uh, and we're we're hiring. We're excited to have you all and excited Fantastic. to be in Pittsburgh.
2: Fantastic stuff. We're glad to have you in Pittsburgh, Mike. This is Mike Beckley, CTO of Appian, on the line with us, calling in from West, or calling from Virginia, Reston, Virginia. Thanks for helping. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight on Tech Vibe Radio. All right. Thank you, Jonathan. Hey, everyone. This is Jonathan Kirsten with the Pittsburgh Technology Council. We'll be right back after this quick break. Learn more about the Tech Council by going to PGH Tech dot org. Welcome back. So glad you are joining us here for tech vibe radio on a Friday night. This is Jonathan Kirschning, And we're here in our, our temporary podcast room at Pittsburgh technology council uh, headquarters here uh, on Isabella street. Soon we're moving over to Nova place. And we're very excited about that. What I'm more excited about is talking to Jim young. He leads up crown castle, a company that we've seen the name, but we don't always know exactly what you do, but I know that everything you do is like the underpinnings for making our world connected. And there's some big stuff going on in the world of 5G, and I, I can't wait to learn more about this and really all the issues around it. So, Jim, thanks for taking the time to talk to us here on Tech Vibe today. Great to be here, Jonathan. Really happy to be here. So quickly, about yourself real quickly, what is your background?
1: Who is Jim Young, and, and what do you do at Crown all day long? Yeah, Jim Young has um, been in the telecom industry for about 35 years. Uh, I've started as an engineer, and I've had a lot of different jobs and a lot of different telecom kind of several different telecom companies through the years. And um, we uh, came to Crown Castle about 13 years ago. And Crown Castle is, is an interesting company. As you know, you may have heard the name, but maybe not sure exactly what we do. We are in the business of shared telecommunications infrastructure, shared communications infrastructure. What that means specifically is we own and operate 40,000 cell phone towers. Wait, 40,000? 40, 40,000. That's a lot of towers. There are, there are a lot of towers out there. It takes a lot of towers to drive the cell cellular networks and the data networks that uh, that we all have grown to know and love out there. I mean, we take it for
2: granted that we flip on our smartphone and we have access. That happens for a reason it's because there's a lot of infrastructure
1: that Crown runs to make that happen, right? That's exactly right. In addition to the towers, we also uh, have are in the process of building over 60,000 small cells. We'll talk more about that in Okay. A and then in addition to that, we own and operate 60,000 miles of fiber. And this fiber is really what we believe is. This is the connective tissue right. to today's modern Networks and it, it really helps us uh, connect all the networks that we talk on every day or that we do data sessions on every day or or anything where we're exchanging any sort of data. You get to have a lot of fun then. It's, it's a blast. It's, <laughs> it's, it's, nice it, job. it's a great job to have because, frankly, being involved with all this technology and seeing how it brings other technologies to life and other cities to life is, has been a really uh, re- really enjoyable. Without a doubt. And so
2: I'm really starting to hear a lot about this whole 5G thing. This is like the new wave, the next
1: wave of how we're going to be connected. Give us the ABCs and the 1, two threes around 5G. Right. So 5G is the next evolution of cellular technology, and it really is going to supercharge the experience that a lot of us have had through the years on different, on other wireless technologies. What's really important to remember about 5G is in addition to providing us with faster data networks, it really has a great focus on reducing latency in the network. That becomes very important when we talk about modern applications that are both with us and yet to come, where latency is a factor, meaning how fast the network responds is super important. So, uh, augmented reality and virtual reality applications are going to require that kind of speed. The other very interesting thing about 5G is it's very connected to the internet of things. And this is connecting things other than people, connecting machines like autonomous driving and uh, smart city elements of of technology that are out there. So 5G is really the next level of wireless technology that's going to support the next level of technology transformation in this country. This is so exciting because you think about
2: everything that's going to be hooked up, everything that's going to be connected, and these technologies are here now, but they need that network to really optimize them. Exactly, and so five G is where it's at.
1: Right, exactly. Very,
2: exactly. very, very, cool. So, tell me, tell me a little bit more about this. The idea of this, uh, so there's this support of
1: the House Bill two five six four that's all about setting some standards around. Right. So, so 5G? what's what's really important to know is that there's an extensive amount of network. That's going to have to be deployed. That is going to need to be deployed right. to support five G. Okay. A lot of that circulates around millions of small cells that will need to be deployed in the country. And the small cell is literally a regular cell site that's been shrunk, just like electronics has min- miniaturized all the other technologies exactly, right. we come in contact with. Got we've taken a cell site and shrunk it down to to be a relatively small package that really? goes on a very short pole, generally a utility-sized pole, as opposed to the conventional cell phone towers that we've all seen for the last 25 years. Interesting.
2: <laughs> of course, it makes total sense that it become a lot smaller and probably five times as powerful than think about the old cell phone towers right. of the day. Exactly.
1: So those are kind of going away a little bit then, right? Well, now we don't. Okay. They, they seem to... The, uh, the, our the, our service providers really need all elements of this network. It's really just a new dimension to the network. But there's a challenge and the challenge that we face that that all of the carriers, the the wireless carriers are facing is we need to get as many small cells out there as quickly as possible. And there's currently no standardized process Uh for deploying these. So in some communities that we work with we may have to go through a simple permitting process. In some communities may require zoning and public hearings to go through. And in some communities we may have to go through a uh, form a specific contract that specifies how we're going to use the public rights of way that the cities and the municipalities manage. Wow, that's a And lot in some communities, all
2: of that. Oh. So it's going to be different. It, it could be a, a very short time frame or a very long time frame. And as you're building this network, you've got to be consistent. you got to do it pretty quickly. You've got to make sure you
1: know that everything is on the up and up and exactly, people are happy. And exactly. Kind of good exactly. And so speed speed is of the essence in the deployment of this network, uh, the 5G networks particularly, and the, and the Small cells that go along with it. It generally takes us about 24 months. To deploy one of these small cells after it's contracted. Okay. But yeah. that time is mostly spent in the zoning and the permitting right. and, You're and all that retarded work. That that's, right. that's right, that's right. And meanwhile, in that two months or in that 24 months, like, technology has changed again a little bit, I would have to assume. Yeah, our, our deployment specifications change usually in that period, and so we're always updating those because technology is moving quickly and the types right. of small cells that are available and the capacity and the capability of those is literally evolving every six months. Wow. I would have a hard time sleeping at night if I were you. <laughs> it's a good challenge. It's Absolutely. A good challenge. Yeah, it
2: sounds like it a lot of fun to be working on. So tell us more about this actual PA right. partnership.
1: How is this coming together? So tech council is behind you on this. Exactly. Other people, how is this coming together? And we're we're very happy to be partnering with the tech council on that. Uh, basically, the PA partnership is a group of, of organizations that have come together to really support the deployment of 5G throughout the Commonwealth and make sure that, that we are moving things fast for, as fast forward as we can. Exactly. Right, a right. lot of that goes right now around our advocacy, around House Bill twenty five sixty four, which puts forth and proposes a standardized process that we can make partner, gives us a common platform to partner with the Commonwealth's municipalities to, to move the deployments forward. It seems to make perfect sense. You need to have some standards here. You got to have everyone working on the same playbook, right? Exactly. Exactly. And and that that's important to us. We we value our municipal partners. Look, we of course we are, we are this infrastructure we deploy has life expectancies that are 20, 40, 50 years in the future wow. and we're we're going to be working with our municipal partners as far into the future as we can see, mm-hmm. so doing this the right way and doing this on a standard way is, is really important. That's the only to way us. to do it. You want exactly. to different things
2: going on and ten years later. You are like, why did we do it this way? We exactly on the same page. <laughs> so right. this is making that happen. What have been some of the bigger roadblocks? I don't. I can't imagine why why why, why people would not want this to happen. But I am assuming there is reasons why people would be against this.
1: Yes, I think that there is there is a a view that um, it's not really necessary, and because this is this is largely supporting um, the growth of the capacity of our networks. You know our. Our expectations of what we get from our cellular service has gone from I just don't want to have a drop voice call to I want a consistent and uniform data experience every time I'm online. Exactly. We've all had the spinning wheel. We don't like the spinning wheel. <laughs> we hate wheel. that spinning wheel. That works. It. And the small cell deployments, in addition to supporting 5G, are all about making sure we have the right capacity in the network yeah. to support yeah. the demand that right. all of us have as we use uh, more and more data. I mean, we use more data every every day practically. We're not using and this is what we need to, to support.
2: That's for sure. Just reminding our listeners, we we're talking to Jim Young, CEO of Crown Castle, talking about 5G. We all take for granted that when we get on our phones, when we get on our computers, the data is there, and it happens. And it happens because of companies like Crown that make this infrastructure possible and this new level of 5G. I think we're really excited about this because obviously the Internet of Things. We're all talking about the fact
1: that we want our refrigerator to tell the grocery store that it's out of milk, right? <laughs> you need data well, and a connection. There, there are there are even even. Uh, Slightly higher purpose functions of that, which is really. That's a high thing, purpose for me. It is a high purpose. But public safety probably trumps the job, <laughs> but I know what we're worried about. A big part of, of 5G is going to be doing a lot to support our first responders out there and, and making sure that they have access to the data they need when they're at, at a site that requires their services. Exactly. And, and that's, you know, we, we've learned about, we know that FirstNet is currently being deployed. Uh, that's our first ever national first responders network. That's amazing. It's that so network. Important is all data-driven, right? And what what our first responders have realized is that having great data at each site that they have to respond to right. is is can literally mean the difference between life and death. Life and death. These Absolutely. 5G networks are going to be critical to supporting our first responders wow. in that regard as well. So how can people get behind this? Where can they go and learn more? How can they you know basically say we need this to happen? Right. Well, I mean, always talking to your, your state elected officials, your local congressmen, your state, state senators exactly. are really important. Uh, the bill is making its way through the legislative process. Um, it's really important to know that this is just to support where the networks are going and to make sure that that we continue to have the, t- the timelines that we need, that we continue to have the data experience that we've all grown to know and love with our wireless networks. So uh, really uh, those that support supporting and advocating for that bill is going to be very helpful and help us maintain the grades of service that we've come to enjoy. Gotcha. Is there any place on Crown Castle's website we can go and check out to learn more about that? Yeah, I'd certainly you can check
2: that out at crowncastle.com. I love it. So you're one of the most high energy guys I've interviewed in a long time. How do you get your high energy and in, 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 in do what you do every day with all these complicated things?
1: In know i I think the reason for that is we are really
3: um i I made the decision to start working in telecommunications
1: almost 35 years ago and it has never slowed down so you were one years old when you decided (laughs) slightly older than that but but the reality is it's just such a a fast-moving and interesting industry and and it's it really is of great value to society. I feel very good about what the employees of Crown Castle do and what I've been fortunate to be connected with in, in those 35 years because this is where this is helping shape our culture and our future in this country and, and the Commonwealth, obviously. It's great to be a part of it. Absolutely, and we're, we're glad we're partnering with you on this as well, too, because it's important stuff. And so glad you got to
2: educate us about some of this. I know I've learned a lot today, and I think it's so great. So, Jim Young, thanks for hanging out with me great. today here on Tech5. Good to be with you, Jonathan. Thanks. thanks. We're taking a quick break, we're coming back with more tech. Tech Five radio, I swear. This is Jonathan Kirsting from the Pittsburgh Technology Council. Learn more about us at PGHtech.org and head on over to Twitter at PGHtech. Okay, so it's our last segment of the day, Audrey. I've really been looking forward to this, because you know how we've been talking about all sorts of cryptocurrency and mm-hmm. Bitcoin. And you know when I came back from London, because I am an international traveler now. Oh yeah, as you know, yes, yeah, very international. When I was at when I was at Tech Week in London, I attended a couple seminars on on initial coin offerings, ICOs, and I had no idea that this was going on. People were raising funds to start their companies this way. And then I got back and I realized there's a cool company in Pittsburgh that tracks all this stuff. And we got Mike Finch here from ICO Alert to kind of talk about all things crypto, all things initial coin
4: offering.
3: So thanks for hanging out with us.
4: Of course, anytime. Appreciate you all having me in.
3: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So give. Tell us what ICO Alert is, and then we'll dive in.
4: Sure, yeah. So ICO Alert is inherently a website business. Uh, if you know what Kickstarter is, right? Uh, ICO Alert lists all of the various ICOs that are out there raising funding from you the public. You mean
3: like Ethereum and all all that? or
4: Yeah, all the all the new projects. So Ethereum is one that, that ran an ICO back in 2013, 2014, right. and, and now there are new projects looking to... To raise funding and gain adoption and build users and all that fun stuff.
2: So when I was attending Tech Week in London, being the international traveler that I am, I like saying international traveler. Just say, <laughs> <laughs> digress. They had this kind of startling stat that I think was within London there was more money raised with ICOs than venture capital in London.
4: Yeah, and within it, within a certain stage of venture capital, right, absolutely, exactly, uh, right, right, right. And yeah. I,
2: I was—that's that, where my eyes kind of opened up. Say, wait a second, this is like. This is this this is not just a trend. This is something that's that's going to be happening.
4: It's the real deal. Yeah, right. you know, ICOs are facing uh, you know some some regulatory scrutiny of sorts as it's a brand new tech uh, yeah. you know, in the U.S. and other countries. But in the last two years, they've raised somewhere around twenty billion dollars. So it's a lot of money.
2: Twenty billion bucks. So what was the inspiration to get behind tracking all this stuff and
4: creating ICO Alert? Great question. So myself and my brother, uh, we're both the co-founders. My brother has since moved on. Uh, from the company to start another venture, but really, is he in um, Pittsburgh doing that? He is, yeah, ah, yeah. Cool. Another cryptocurrency venture, but uh, we've been investing in this stuff since about 2013 and 2014.
3: So you've been investing in Bitcoin, for example.
4: Yeah, and other other various, other various. cryptocurrencies, okay. right? Yeah. Uh, he originally found Bitcoin through uh, online gaming, right? So kind of back in the day, if you weren't in gaming or computer science or mm-hmm. you right. know deep tech, you didn't hear about it. So that's how he heard about it. He turned me, told me about it, and. um Uh, We did our research and started investing, and then uh, fast forward to about 2016, early 2017, these ICOs started to really uh, gain in popularity and, you know, big entrepreneurial background with the Finch family. So you presented us with this uh, ICO model where anyone across the globe can invest in a brand new startup. Okay. Uh, It was something we immediately fell in love with.
3: Very cool. So let's, let's get to basics. Because people still are confused
4: right right what the 101
3: yeah so start with the with the 101 talk about what what Bitcoin is or start somewhere
4: absolutely yeah it's it's you know as cryptocurrency grows it's important to start with right. the basics right right you know a lot of people are are diving in without any real knowledge of right. what this stuff is and that's not the way to do it so um, you know aside from kind of going into the, the the tech background of it I think it's important to understand you know the philosophical, yeah. Just the functionality, yeah. right? Yeah, we need this. So in 2009, um, someone put together the the concept for Bitcoin, basically as an innovation in the the financial system, right? Uh, a way for uh, people like you and I, you know, peers all over the globe, to transact value between each other without any sort of central middleman. Uh, generally, your currencies, your your fiat, your USD or Euro or whatnot, is uh, printed by a central bank, and it's controlled uh, by governments. And uh, that government acts as that central entity. And as we've seen even recently with countries like Greece and Venezuela, uh, th- that can be a problem. So Bitcoin solves a lot of those problems. It allows uh, people all over the world to transact value at almost a, a fee-less rate. Um, and, and it's seen a lot of success in the last decade it's been around.
3: So, so what would you tell people now? you know, when they're thinking about this kind of stuff. I mean, they're probably saying, how do I use this? Is this sort of gambling? What's the difference between this and the stock market? And, you know, yeah, you uh, probably are so much wiser than I am in the space.
4: <laughs> well, there's a, there's a lot to unpack there for sure. But, um, you know, for, for people in the United States, we don't have a lot of the same problems that uh, those in Venezuela or Greece do. You know, if you look at Greece, uh, maybe people travel to vacation there, right? Uh, their economy essentially collapsed because the, the government continued to oh, print money. Right. And That's a
3: good example.
4: Yeah. It, it, and it, it, was, it was bad for the people there to the point that the government actually pulled a large percentage of funds from everyone's bank account. Right. So they went in. They took right, right, 40% right. of your savings that you'd worked your entire life for. Wow. Uh, I didn't realize it was like that that crazy. Oh, yeah. Re- really bad. Okay. Really bad. I mean, the country, you know, uh, went bankrupt. So- there, Bitcoin applies as a store of value, right? As a way to transact value. Here, it's a little different, right? The US dollar is, while there's inflation, it's still relatively stable. Um, You know, it's not backed by gold anymore. And there are issues in in the way we're printing this money, but uh, we don't have those same problems. So a lot of people in the United States look at it as a way to uh, transfer money uh, across borders very easily. You know, if you had $10,000 that you wanted to uh, give to somebody, maybe a, a cousin over in the UK. It would literally be faster to take ten thousand dollars in cash, put it in a suitcase, and travel over there. I, I think the so they are floated across the Atlantic. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. You know these wire transfers, not only are they expensive, but they they take forever. They take weeks. oftentimes they're lost, which could result in, huh, a loss for uh, for you. Um, so so Bitcoin in the United States, you know, applies as a way to transact value across borders and then people are using yeah. it as as a speculative you know, so, speculative right. asset. So here.
2: if I if I sent my, my newfound friend in London, since I was there all summer
4: London, right and I said, Here's ten thousand dollars for this
2: project you're gonna be spinning up, and I sent them via Bitcoin, how do they get that Bitcoin and then turn it back into pounds at that point to apply towards their company? Or do they have to buy other things in Bitcoin to grow their company or apply towards their company? How does that work?
4: Sure. So over the last 10 years, uh, the cryptocurrency community and the blockchain community, if you will, has been building the infrastructure around Bitcoin and the other various cryptocurrencies. So
3: pause for a second and uh talk about talk about the design of a blockchain.
4: Sure. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, the beauty of a blockchain as it relates to, say, transacting this value, right, uh, is that when you look at transacting value online, uh, you have a problem called the double spend problem, where double spend. Yeah, so okay. this is essentially, uh, you know, let's take the example of uh, sharing a movie clip with someone. Right, you have this file on your computer. You copy this, you paste it into an email, you share it with someone else. Right, effectively there are now two copies of the same movie clip. Gotcha. So it's very difficult uh, to transact value. If someone was sending you money for that movie clip, you could copy and paste that movie clip. As many times as you want and continue to sell that, and you know, have no idea what the original movie clip is, right? So, the blockchain does a handful of different things that allow you to solve that problem so that uh, digitally you don't have to worry about uh, this this double spend problem on the blockchain.
3: It's like a real ledger,
4: it is, yeah, it's a real time ledger. Like,
3: as someone who's been in finance, it's just exactly so any transaction that actually. Hers is able to be captured. So do you think that it, it allows for more integrity?
4: Absolutely. You know, not only is it a ledger, but, uh, you know, it's, it's backed up by hard code that's open source online, meaning that, you know, if you were someone that understood this or, or knew someone who wanted to go on and check and, and verify the quality of this, you could do so. Uh, and further, it's distributed, right? So there isn't one central data hub that uh, runs the, the various miners, as they're called. So it can't be um, hacked,
2: right? It's so much more secure.
4: Correct. Yeah, it's distributed but across the people think it's
2: not.
3: They think the word distributed means that it's more open and it's more likely to be hacked into. Right. So it's counterintuitive.
4: It is, yeah. And it's, it, it, you know, one of the reasons we're here is because it can be hard to explain for that reason, right? Um but yeah, it's you know it's it's fascinating right now to to see the growth and to answer your question, John, on the infrastructure part. You know, if you were to send that ten thousand dollars over to to your new friend, um, what would essentially happen is very similar to what would happen if you sent a wire, gotcha. right? The difference okay. is that uh, you know Swift and all of the various banks involved. You're going to have intermediary banks and in, in switching between USD and the, in the British pound. None of that happens, right? So. Uh, you have your own digital wallet, right? In the same way you have a physical wallet that holds cash. You have an address associated with that wallet, just as your newfound friend does. So you very simply log on to your wallet. You plug in uh, your friend's wallet address. Uh, you plug in how much Bitcoin you want to send to them.
2: And that wallet's connected to
4: my bank account then? Uh, it's it's It holds your Bitcoin, right? It holds so, your wallet. Holds, it's right. not
3: connected to your It's not connected account. to your bank no.
4: account. It's it's very similar to a bank account because if you were, let's say you send a wire, you have a, an account number, a routing number, mm-hmm. these various things, right? So uh, the, in sending the Bitcoin off to this other wallet, there's no one else there in between, right? No one's taking it's this. It's
3: just like your other bank account.
4: Gotcha. Yeah, absolutely. No, yeah. it
2: makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is, I think this is just some magical stuff. We've got about a couple minutes left, so I want to make sure that we, we kind of cover any of the, the remaining points so people can kind of get an understanding that like, you know, if I'm using Bitcoin you know, or Ethereum or anything else like that, mm-hmm. how do we actually transact and, and how would you know continue to, to grow and use this?
4: Yeah. Listen, I mean, it, there's a lot here, right? There's game theory, there's finance. I mean, there, there's, there's computer science that if you want to really go down the rabbit hole, you can spend, you know, weeks, months, years researching this stuff. But I think for the normal person, um, a great place to start is by just very simply reading the original Bitcoin white paper. It's nine pages long. Right. There you go, yeah. people.
3: Do you hear that? Go back to the, the original. simple nine-page primer.
4: Yeah, and it, it really breaks down a lot of the- And
3: where would they find that?
4: If you Google Bitcoin white paper, It'll uh, come right that'll up. pop yeah. right up. Yeah, viewed many times, obviously. So say, right. It's, it's right there. And it, that'll give you a lot of the, the great philosophical underpinnings to Bitcoin. And you know, do your research first if this is something that you want to use. A great next step is uh, it's mobile or desktop- uh, website or app called Coinbase. B A I've heard about Coinbase. Coinbase. Yeah. Absolutely. So they're one of the longest standing companies. Um, they're actually about to run an initial public offering. Um, so, you know, very legitimate. Uh, it's a great place to buy and sell Bitcoin. But again, gotcha. first, go understand this stuff, you know, see if if it's something that uh, you want to use to transact value or invest in or whatnot. Very much so.
2: And of course, ICO alert. How can we learn more about ICO alert?
4: <laughs> Sure. Uh, check us out at ICOalert.com. Uh, again, we are kind of more for the uh, experienced investor, but as you learn, uh, you can come and use our site as a discovery engine for all the new cryptocurrencies right now. have got some funding. great
2: content on there as well, too, to kind of get people you know, up to speed with, with some of the new things that are happening around it, too. So, yep, fantastic. absolutely. Mike Thank
3: fin- you so much. Yeah, thanks for stopping Anytime.
4: Appreciate you having me.
2: Audrey, I love having Tech Vibe Radio be as educational as it was just now. I feel like I've learned so much.
3: Well, It's because you're going to read the white paper. I'm going to do that.
2: Anyhow, another Tech Vibe Radio under the belt. This is Jonathan Kirsting. And this is Audrey Russo. Thanks for tuning in this Friday night. Learn more about us at pghtech.org. And have an awesome weekend.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.